You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy, uh, I guess, two, three Timberwolves off days in a row. No game Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. A rare three days in a row off for the Wolves before they take on the Memphis Grizzlies to close out a three-game week-plus-long homestand um, on Wednesday night. So today's show, kind of a smattering of topics. I want to hit a couple of notes off the top, check in on the Wolves' net rating league-wide, where they are in the standings, the reverse standings, of course, um, so we could check in on on the, uh, I guess, tankathon.com to see where the Wolves stand in terms of their likelihood to keep a top three pick this year. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, there, there's another one of those Bleacher Report fake trades out there that I think is pretty ridiculous again. So I want, I want to talk about that because that's always a little bit fun, a little bit of fun. And then I want to check in on uh, D'Angelo Russell's B-Ball Index profile. And we haven't really done that because it was a small sample for so much of the season, but now he's actually played in enough games. I think he's an interesting case uh, to look at because we talk about how bad he is defensively and how good he can be offensively. And well, the advanced metrics, kind of the the surface level stuff does still doesn't look all that great uh, this year for D'Angelo Russell. There's certainly some positives about his season. So I want to look at his B-ball index profile and uh, see what he's done well offensively. And if he's done anything well enough defensively to, to, to basically um, make him, a, I, you know, not even a star level player, but a palatable starter, right? I mean, I know he's coming off the bench now, but he was so bad early in the year defensively and not good enough offensively that he wasn't even really, I mean, he wasn't a plus player at all. You know, where does that stand now? Um, so I want to look at his profile and B-ball index and check in on all those different numbers. So it'll be kind of a, a few random topics here today. And then I want to dig a little bit further on Anthony Edwards later this week, because I, I do think that he's um, a very, obviously a very hot topic, somebody who's right in the running for, for rookie of the year. So on Tuesday's show, I want to talk about handicapping that race, him versus the mellow ball, uh, where Tyrese Halberton should be in that conversation. And, uh, and just, really kind of dive a little bit further into Edwards game. Cause remember he's now played in every single Timberwolves game. So I talk about the D'Angelo Russell sample and he's still only played in, in uh, you know, a little, basically half of a season. Um, he's played in 35 games. The Wolves have what seven games to play. So uh, Anthony Edwards has played in every single game so far. He's the only Timberwolves player to do that. So I want to talk about his uh, overall numbers and his his where his standing in the rookie of the year race should be. That'll be Tuesday's show. And of course, Wednesday, we'll talk about uh, previewing Wolves Grizzlies on Wednesday night. So before we get to everything on today's show, a reminder that you can follow this podcast anywhere you get podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. And you can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and also at BBeacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay, so first thing I want to do is check in on where the Timberwolves are standings-wise. They are actually now 26th in net rating and uh, point differential. So like the b-ball reference, excuse me, basketball reference and 
uh, like point differential just in the regular standings on ESPN or NBA.com, which are roughly the same number. The Wolves are 26th. The only teams worse than them in the league, and and well, I should preface this by saying, of course, the Wolves were like 29th or 30th for most of the season, but the only teams worse than them right now are Houston, which is a negative. The Wolves are a negative 6.5 in point differential. Cleveland's a negative 7.5. Houston is a negative 7.7. Orlando's a negative 8.3. And the Thunder are now a negative 10. They just got destroyed on Saturday by uh, Indiana by like 50 some points um, in I think the worst home loss in NBA history is what I saw. So four teams worse than the Wolves. Can they beat and can they leapfrog anybody else in the point differential standings, if you will? Maybe Sacramento. Sacramento's a minus 4.5, although with seven games to play, that might be tough to do. They're not going to get past them in the actual standings. Uh, Sacramento's seven and a half games ahead of them. Uh, but the point differential thing is a, a real possibility. And of course, if you're not familiar with net rating or point differential, it's a pretty good predictor of future play. Teams, that that sort of thing evens out over the course of a season, generally speaking. So like currently in the Western Conference, the only team that's a positive plus minus that's not in the top 10 for the play-in race is New Orleans. And they're two and a half back from the Spurs. So they're obviously in a really tough spot, but they've lost some big close games this season. And I want to get back to that in a second, actually with New Orleans in the Eastern conference, it's a little bit different Miami because of their terrible start is a negative 0.3, but they're actually 35 and 30. So they're way outperforming their point differential and they're number six in the East. They're only a game ahead of Boston. Who's got a plus 1.6. So again, with only a handful of games left this year, I think seven for each of those teams, it, it's probably not likely that Boston surpasses Miami in point differential, but the, you know, the underlying numbers suggest that Boston has been the better team. Um, and then the only team with a positive plus minus in the East that's not in the playoff race is Toronto. They're two and a half out of the 10 spot and they're a plus 0.4. They also had a terrible start to the season, similarly to Miami. Of course, the two of the better teams in the East last year. So um, at any rate, I want to get back to the to the New Orleans thing because I saw an interesting stat uh, that was put out there by Alan Horton, of course, the voice of the Timberwolves. And I I don't know if he was the original voice, but one of the initial voices of Locked On Wolves as well. Um, And so I want to pull up his statistic he tweeted out after the Wolves loss against the Pelicans on Saturday. He said, Wolves strong play and clutch time hit a bump tonight. 98.9% was their win probability with 339 left. They were up 10 with possession of the ball. So uh, I talked about this, of course, on the postgame pod that if you missed it, that was from uh, from Sunday. But basically a 99% win probability with under four minutes to play. That's the Wolves. This is now according to Alan Horton. The Wolves' fifth loss this year with a win probability of 96% or higher. They're tied with the Pelicans who have that positive plus minus, uh, or excuse me, the positive point differential despite their record being just 29 and 35 with a positive point differential. So that So this plays right into that, right? Because that means that they played a lot. They've played a lot of close games and there's certainly, obviously there's, execution and skill and and coaching and all those things play into uh, winning or losing close late games. But there's also a lot of flukiness and luck. And the Wolves and Pelicans are tied with the league's most losses after having a 10 plus point fourth quarter lead. Both the Pelicans and Wolves have lost six games when they've had a double digit fourth quarter lead. That's crazy. Six games. I mean, think about if the will, you know, if you have a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter, what's the typical winning percentage? I guess I don't know the answer to that, but it's got to be at least what, 75, 80, 85%, right? So say of those six games, the Wolves had won four of them 
I mean, suddenly we're talking about them not even being in the bottom four in the league and they're not like, I mean, they wouldn't be a playoff team, but what, they're 12 games out of the playoffs. So they probably wouldn't have been eliminated yet, or maybe they just would have been yesterday. Um, four games makes a huge difference. And there's certainly some some luck, bad luck that plays into that. Of course, coaching, and a lot of those were when Ryan Saunders was at the helm. So, um, you know, I mean, it's pretty easy to put those pieces together, what some of those issues may have been. But still, the point differential thing, the losing close late games, are you know, those are significant. Um, one last kind of random note here at the beginning, the Wolves are now 25th in ESPN's power rankings. They haven't been that high since I believe the first week of the season. And, uh, they, they were 28th last week, but they jumped three spots and Royce Young notes basically just, you know, they're six and four of their last 10 games, one, four in a row easily could have won another one, but lost in overtime against New Orleans. Um, and, and talks about how the Wolves are hoping to maintain their winning menta- mentality and momentum into next season. I've talked about that here, and this is probably... I could probably get on a soapbox for a, for a segment later about this, because I think there's some folks that still think the wolves should be tanking. And I don't think it makes any sense. Um, the, the percentages aren't, don't get that much better or sorry, that much worse for the wolves to keep a top three pick if they, if they win a few more games. And I think at this point they've done so much losing that instilling that winning culture, the, the momentum, to end the season, the idea, the belief that this team can be good is far more important than a few percent more chance at at not losing a pick, right? I mean, because because what's what's really the big difference between forty percent and thirty six percent to stay in the top three? I think you'd rather have a couple more wins. I think that makes a lot more sense um, to try and instill that winning culture and the confidence and, and all that confidence in the new coach, confidence in each other, in the pairing of, of Towns and Russell and the trio along with Anthony Edwards. Maybe we'll get a couple Malik Beasley games at the end of the season to see that as well. Um, so at any rate. Uh, cool to see them rise in the power rankings a little bit. We'll hit. So here's what we'll do next. We'll hit the tankathon standings just to kind of check in on that. Um, and then I want to move on to talk about fake trade and D'Angelo Russell's B-ball index profile. Before we do all that though, let's talk about our friends at Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company. And what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three post screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that hire, that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, plus Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose for more than 130 skills tests, then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. That's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, let's talk about these reverse standings. So this is tankathon.com has uh, reverse standings plus the NBA lot, draft lottery simulator and all that good stuff. Right now, the Wolves are a half game worse than Orlando. So Houston and Detroit, certainly Houston has basically the 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 worst record in the league locked up, right? They're 16 and 49. They did win again here recently, but um, they're three and a half games ahead of, 
if again, this is phrasing this in terms of reverse standing. So three and a half games worse than or ahead of Detroit and Detroit's a half game worse than the Wolves. The Wolves are a half game worse than Orlando, who's a half game worse than Oklahoma City, who's a half game worse than Cleveland. So basically there's five teams that are going to land in some order between two and six and Detroit and Cleveland are only separated by two games. So there's five teams separated by two games and the Wolves are going to land somewhere in that two to six range. The, as I mentioned last segment, the difference between them being third and fourth isn't as big as you might think. I think people have this in their mind that they need to be bottom three because the picks bottom three protected or top three protected, I should say. But remember, it's only top three protected based on how they land in the lottery. So the difference between three and four isn't quite that massive. Yes, if you're in the top bottom three teams, your odds at the first pick are 14%, which are obviously better than the 12.5% at four and the 10.5% at five. But the Wolves should be focused more on staying in the bottom three, or that's a more important focus, I think, than the extra percent and a half to get the number one pick, right? So your odds of landing a top four pick are 40.17%. So we've talked about that quite a bit, which means there's still a 60-ish percent chance, a little worse than a 60% chance, less than a 60% chance that the Wolves don't land a top three pick. If they finish fourth, those odds only go down to 36.6%. So you're talking about a, a, a three and a half percent difference. So I think wringing our hands over the Wolves finishing fourth instead of third is is maybe uh, maybe not the right approach, right? I mean, how important in the grand scheme of things is just having a little bit of momentum. Remember, this roster is probably not going to turn over massively in the offseason, which on its face sounds crazy because they're one of the league's worst teams. But if you remember how injured they've been and how much better they've played with a healthy Russell and a healthy Towns, the much publicized now nine and seven this season with those guys healthy, um, you know, losing that three and a half percent chance at the expense of a couple more wins, that's not that big of a deal. Now, when you drop to five, it starts getting a little bit more uh, precipitous, right? So if you land fifth, you have a 31.6% chance of jumping into the top three. So that's almost a full 10%, you know, it's nine and a half percent worse than if you're third. Still, it, it, you still have almost a one in three chance at landing top three. And how much better would everybody feel if the Wolves finish this season, call it a, you know, a winning record with Townsend Russell, Maybe they win four or five out of their last seven remaining the season. And you could look back at the last month and say they had a winning record or at least a 500 record. Those things matter. And and it, when the Wolves are trying to build a winning culture after making the playoffs once in 19 years, um, that's understandable to, to strive for for some additional wins um, down the stretch for, at the expense of a few a few lottery balls. Um that, that you're, you know, a few less lottery chances to be in the top three or the top two or, or the top pick. Um, and still, if you're fifth, you have a 10 and a half percent chance at, at the number one pick. So all that to say, uh, that's where the will stand. There's only two games separating number two Detroit in the reverse standings and number six Cleveland. So a lot can still happen to be sure. Okay. I want to quick hit this, uh, this fake trade before we get into D'Lo. Um, Fake trade, this is similar to the one I talked about a couple weeks ago, and I believe it was the same person over at Bleacher Report. I think it was Zach Buckley. Um, it, maybe it wasn't, but it was it was a Bleacher Report trade article. This one's called Quick Fixes for the NBA's Worst Teams This Offseason. And it's a proposed, it's a trade idea for the Wolves to, again, acquire Jeremy Grant from the Pistons. And here's the thing, like Jeremy Grant's really good. And I said this last week, or a few, uh, I guess it was like a week and a half ago that when there was a similar proposed trade on Bleacher Report, 
he's really good and he would fit the Timberwolves perfectly as a three and D four who can, who can legit guard a couple of different possession positions. Well, this trade would be Jeremy Grant and Josh Jackson, of course, a former lottery pick in exchange for Malik Beasley, Jarrett Culver and a top five protected pick in 2023. This is closer. And I can't remember exactly what that trade was a week and a half ago, but I think it had the wolves given up another asset and the pick was maybe only top three protected or something like that. And I forget who the other asset was. It had them giving up, but I still wouldn't do this trade, right? I mean, you've still got an additional year of team control on Beasley versus Grant. And and yeah, Grant's a much better defender and the Wolves are still searching for a four. But remember, the Timberwolves have Jade McDaniels. They also have Juancho Hernan Gomez, who's been a rotation play, rotation-worthy player since Chris Finch took over as head coach. I mean, they've still got a year plus a team option on him. So the Wolves might actually be somewhat set at the four, depending on your feelings on Josh McDaniels, on, or excuse me, Jade McDaniels and... uh and also on Nas Reed playing some four, uh, right? I mean, Nas has played, depending on matchups, played a lot of power forward with Chris Finch as coach. So the Wolves aren't in a desperate position to add a power forward like you may have felt they were just a few months ago. Malik Beasley is an outstanding offensive player. And imagine the lineup the Wolves have been playing, really the starting lineup currently with Josh Okogie and Anthony Edwards on the wing. Imagine that lineup with Malik Beasley on the wing. And Josh Okogie kind of becomes the bench energy guy. And Jade McDaniels is your primary on-ball stopper in the offense, in the starting lineup. That's a really dynamic group. And why would you give up a first-round pick in addition to Beasley and Jarrett Culver, who obviously is out of the rotation, and I guess now he's injured, but has been a massive disappointment. But there's still some upside, and his his salary is big enough that you're going to need him to match for other trades. Like, what would the purpose of this trade be? Because now you're just shuffling the deck a little bit more, but your positional balance is all out of whack because you've traded your starting two. So now you've only got Anthony Edwards. If you make this trade, Anthony Edwards is, is your, is your two who else? I mean, unless you think Jalen Noel, who, who I think he'll be a good bench player, uh, a six man type in the future. He's out of the rotation right now after he had that injury, the leg contusion, he hasn't played in, in weeks. Um, you know, unless you are bought into him being your backup too, or you feel like, uh, you're going to acquire one in some other way, but your wing is suddenly depleted by trading Beasley and Culver and get, I mean, I guess you get Josh Jackson back, but he's not a good enough defender to make up for his issues, his shortcomings on offense. I mean, he's, he's a guy who shoots over the last couple of years, like 40% of his shot attempts are threes and he's shooting 31% on threes, 30% for his career. Yeah. He's averaging 13 and a half points a game this season, but it's not an efficient 13 and a half points and his defense uh, is good, not great, right? I'm not, I'm not convinced he's that much better of a defender than a Josh Akogi or even a Jarrett Culver. And uh, so I, I just don't think that this trade makes a ton of sense if you're the Timberwolves. Um, you don't give up a first rounder plus a, a trade chip in Jarrett Culver and Malik Beasley for two years of Jeremy Grant in, in the middle of his prime and or entering the middle of his prime in Josh Jackson. It just wouldn't make sense if I'm the Wolves. So anyway, that's out there. If if you're into the fake trades, you know, go go check those out at Bleacher Report. This is Zach Buckley posted on Friday, actually the 30th called Quick Fix Trades for NBA's Worst Teams This Offseason. I'd be I wouldn't be surprised if we heard about the Wolves being in the market for power forward at all um, this offseason because because you know, it's it's not locked in that McDaniels and Juancho Hernan Gomez are your four moving combined, you know, your primary four moving forward. But I just don't think Malik Beasley is very likely to be traded unless it's part of a much bigger deal for a much better player than Jeremy Grant. No offense to Jeremy Grant, of course, because he's very good. But um, anyway, next what I want to do is look at D'Angelo Russell's profile on B-Ball Index and what he's been able to bring to the table so far this season. 
But first, let's talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at betonline.ag. You can get all the news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs from MLB to NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs in the NBA and NHL. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's also talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. Tastes just like a candy bar. There's 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, and more. Those are three of my favorites among the six new flavors. The bars are all covered in 100% chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew. They're perfect if you're health conscious and you're just trying to lose or maybe maybe only maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat. Every single Built Bar is low calorie, low sugar. They're all high protein and high in fiber, and they're perfect for the keto diet. You can visit builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Okay, let's talk about D'Angelo Russell. So this is from B-Ball Index, and uh, I've I've used their numbers many times before. Um, again, B-Ball Index is, is uh, bball-index.com. They have a number of different things you can, you can subscribe on a monthly basis for $5. They have some proprietary statistics, player profiles for, for everybody in the league, um, and not just this season either, going back a couple of years. So if you're not familiar with B-Ball Index, check them out. But they do a great job of not only compiling, well, they have their own advanced metrics. They also compile numbers from other places as well. So um, just talking a little bit about D'Angelo Russell's season so far. So if you, if you ask me, you know, what was D'Lo, what's, what's D'Lo's profile as a player, right? Every, I think everybody would describe him as a positive offensive player, a a solid playmaker, a really good mid-range shooter, a really good catch and shoot guy from three, really great pulling up in transition, a shoddy defender at best. Um, Still, he, you know, he jumps passing lanes. He's big enough to hopefully create an issue on defense for, for opposing guards, although he doesn't consistently get through screens. He's not very good in space um, as a defender, and he's not very athletic. All those things are still true. However, if you look at his his shot profile offensively and also his defensive profile in B-Ball Index, there's some interesting things that stand out. Some of it's confirmation bias, I think, because we, we already knew these things. Um, but there's a couple things that that stick out a little bit. So for instance, we know that D'Angelo Russell doesn't love getting into the paint. He's done a lot more of it recently. Early this season, I harped on how this was, you know, pre his knee injury, how he really was avoiding getting into the paint. And it's it's been a thing throughout his career. He's never had a high free throw rate. He's always been much more comfortable pulling up from the elbows and operating on the perimeter than actually getting into the paint, getting fouled and trying to score there. That continues to be the case, although we're seeing since he returned from injury that that maybe part of that was due to this lingering knee injury, whatever, you know, he had the arthroscopic surgery a couple of months ago, and he's been getting to the free throw line a little bit more often, and he, like, for instance, the other night in the loss against the Pelicans, he only attempted one free throw, but he was six of seven on two-point attempts and got into the paint, uh, you know, with relative frequency. Because he's not a high flyer, he's not going to draw quite as much contact. I mean, he's he's playing below the rim, right? Um and he's opportunistic with his with his attempts in the rim. It's not the same as Anthony Edwards, who just 
bowls guys over. A Carl Anthony Towns who can get a great first step and use his long strides to get to the rim if he's driving from the perimeter. D'Angelo Russell has to be craftier. And his his mark for percentage of rim attempts unassisted is 83rd percentile because he's not getting there usually on cuts. That's an a, That grades out as an A-. minus. His adjusted drives per 75 possessions is actually really interesting. So this is his drives per 75 offensive possessions with a regression of league average driving rate possessions to stabilize small samples. That's the definition at B-Ball Index. So basically adjusting um, for his drives per 75 possessions, he is a 77th percentile. That's a B plus. A little bit surprising to me that it's that high. Now, I bet if we looked at his pre-injury, that number pre-injury, it's probably a lot lower. Still, his total number of shots at the rim is 24th percentile because he's driving and he's kicking fairly often. His pass out rate isn't quite as high. His pass out assist rate is is a 46th percentile, and that's partly due to his um his teammates' inability to knock down open threes, but his foul drawn rate is 10%, which is a 74th percentile, grades out as a B. So basically, he's opportunistic with his drives. He likes to pass the ball out, and he's getting fouled at a decent clip when he actually drives into the paint. Those numbers are a lot higher than they would have been earlier this season, and frankly, we're finally seeing them be right in line with his career numbers. Look, point up last year's B-ball index numbers, very similar. His drives per 75 percentage, for per 75 possessions, excuse me, is right around the 80th percentile. His pass, his assist rate on drives is is a C. His drive foul drawn rate is still a B plus. So all those numbers are roughly the same last year as they are this year. But earlier this season, they were even lower. So we're seeing a healthy D'Angelo Russell be more effective offensively. Um, all the three-point numbers are what you'd expect, uh, basically grading out at at A's and B's in terms of his uh, his ability to make threes and basically his perimeter offensive game, um, which are up from last year, by the way, his pull up three point percentage is an A minus 82nd percentile catch and shoot is a B plus 79th percentile, um, above the break three point percentage is 84th percentile. Those are mostly B's last year. So we're seeing him improve a little bit from outside the arc. Maybe that's health. Maybe it's playing with a big, like Carl Anthony Towns for a good chunk of his games. Now that's helping create some additional space. His three-point gravity, same thing, 80s and 90s percentile um, in terms of the gravity of his three-point attempts, uh, basically mean the amount of tension that he draws when he, because of his volume of shooting. And his overall metrics, and I talked about this a little bit last week, but like his offensive real plus minus, according to ESPN, that's a plus 2.2. That's top 10 for point guards. It's 93rd percentile. Obviously, the defense isn't good, but the offense is so good that his overall real plus minus is 74th percentile. It's a plus 0.5 over at ESPN. That grades out as a B plus according to B-Ball Index. So the offense has been so good of late that it's outweighed his defense. His defense has continued to be bad, but the steal numbers are solid. And if he can have a little bit of that level of defensive activity, his pickpocket rating is a B minus according to B-Ball Index. Passing lane defense is a B minus, which basically just measures how active he is based on steals and deflections per 75 possessions because Delo is a smart player and he's a big player for a perimeter guard. And even though he's not super athletic and he doesn't stay in front of guys very well, he understands angles and he understands timing and he understands how to jump passing lanes. And those things matter and they can help buoy that, that uh, poor defensive number overall, at least a little bit. Um, and so if Delo can do that, I mean, we're going to look back and say, okay, this was a pretty good year. I mean, he's not all-star level at this point. He's not quite playing to the level he was in Brooklyn in his all-star season a couple of years ago. 
But this is a better version of D'Angelo Russell than we saw last year. And it's certainly better than the early career versions of D'Angelo Russell. And, and I think we're starting to see what he could become playing with a big like Carl Anthony Towns. And also with a with a higher usage, dangerous, you know, cutter, slasher, off ball um, or, or ball dominant wing, really, in Anthony Edwards, um, allowing D'Angelo Russell to play off the ball a little bit more. We'll see those catch and number catch and shoot numbers continue to rise and hopefully his uh, his opportunities as a cutter and as a as a catch and shoot guy around you know curling around screens and and popping out on pin downs, hopefully we see that start to increase a little bit more under Chris Finch and uh, we'll we'll keep seeing Russell's shot profile improve and his overall impact as a player on the offensive end of the floor improve as well. And again, if he could just provide some resistance defensively, be solid in pick and roll defense, be solid on the perimeter, and still kind of jump passing lanes, get deflections, get steals then he could be good enough defensively and, and Jaden McDaniels and, and even this year, Carl Anthony Towns can cover enough for him defensively uh, that the Wolves could still, you know, they could be a plus team with him on the floor, which I know is, is uh, maybe not enough to ask of a max player, but early this season, D'Lo was, was dragging down the Wolves on both ends of the floor. And so to see him improve the way he has post injury has been really encouraging. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned on Tuesday, we'll talk rookie of the year race. We'll talk Anthony Edwards on Wednesday. I want to preview Wolves Grizzlies and, and we'll of course keep an eye on the reverse standings as uh, some of those other teams, Detroit, Cleveland, um, and others play in the next couple of days. The Wolves do not. The Wolves are idle until Wednesday night. So otherwise, that's all we have for you here on the show today. Thanks once again for listening to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. You can follow this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. If you follow on Apple, go ahead and help out with a review. It definitely helps us to compile, uh, hopefully, positive reviews. It uh, helps us get in front of more folks, more eyes and ears. Um, you can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. That's all we have for you today. A reminder that today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. A reminder, today on the Locked On Today podcast, the draft is over. The NFL draft is over, that is. Who won, who lost? That's the question of the day. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts.